0: Welcome to the Plastic Press Gang Podcast. Surprise, we're back. My name is Calvin. I use he, him pronouns. And I managed to write a podcast script in like two days.
1: And I'm Eric. Uh, I use he, him pronouns. And I managed to read a podcast script in like 15 minutes.
0: Nice. Uh, well, we're back again. Uh, and this time around, we've actually got a really fun episode planned for you guys. Uh, and where we're going to talk about kind of what we did this year and what we did we're doing next year. But first off, Eric, what have you been working on?
1: Uh, What I have been working on is traveling, um, to be perfectly honest. I am still in my, can I stay at home for two weeks in a row? The answer to that is no. Um, So there's been a a lot of movement and not a lot of hobby stuff. But one of the things I have been working on uh, that uh, lets me claim hobby progress while not actually being able to paint anything is uh, for uh, Seven Days to the River Rhine, which is a Cold War uh, goes hot uh, rule set, mainly focused around tanks. I, uh, as many loyal listeners of this podcast know, uh, love the Swedes for a number of reasons. And in the Cold War, I'm really interested in them uh, because they're a little bit flexible in terms of who they're fighting and why. Uh, And so I wanted to use the Battlefront uh, Swedish tanks that they came out with because they're awesome. And uh, the Swedish S-tank is a goofy little tank that just pushes all my buttons, uh, but there's no rules for them. So I uh, did a remarkable amount of work uh, figuring out the pointing system behind seven days for the River River Rhine, uh, and then translating uh, the various aspects of the Swedish S-tank into that rule system. And so there are now rules on variancehammered.com about uh, how one could field Swedish tanks in the River Rhine. Uh, I am trying to uh, play test that at some point. I need to assemble the stupid things, but um, yeah, that was a good week's worth of work uh, trying to figure out how to do that.
0: And then also we have to actually try out the game first before we can try to see if your uh, play test rules work really well.
1: (laughs) Yes, so I also bought some Danes for seven days to the River Rhine so that I can play an army that has rules and we can figure out how the tanks are supposed to feel, and then I will try my weird little tanks and uh, make sure they're not overpowered, underpowered, just janky, etc.
0: And then also, I know that the 3D printer has been going burr.
1: Yes, so the 3D printer has been uh, working overtime. We had a charity event up here in our club, and I uh, donated Eric Will Print You a uh, table's worth of terrain on his 3D printer, And that was a very popular uh, one. And so I ended up actually saying, look, anyone who's willing to meet the uh, high bid, I will do that for them. So three people went in on that, which was nice because raised a bunch of money for a local food bank. Um, But that does mean I have been printing an awful lot. So I printed um, one of our club members, Russell, sort of asked to split his board between some desert rocks for uh, Adeptus Titanicus and then some ruined port buildings for he wants to do a, a swamp grave uh, board. Uh, one player wanted an Age of Sigmar board, so I've been printing a bunch of ruins and forests for sort of a spooky, this used to be a place and then the Sylvaneth took it over vibe. Uh, and then a Orc board uh, for another club member. Thankfully, I just got a new Bamboo P1S, um, which is both wildly high quality and very fast. So that has been a major part, part of why that's not a terrible idea. And then I've also been printing some some test models for us for like seven days to the River Rhine. I printed a little 15 millimeter nightclub and a bunch of other stuff. So yeah, the, the, the printers have been going pretty much 24 seven, which is great if you're super busy because it makes you feel like you've done hobby progress while for the most part you've pushed a couple buttons and then walked away for seven hours.
0: Well, I mean, also uh, was that little uh, warehouse that you brought by also 3D printed or was that a kit?
1: Yep, no, that was also 3D printed. Uh, so I did print, uh, that was sort of testing whether or not the files I had, which were from Corvus games and are intended for 28 millimeter, would shrink down correctly because they're meant to have playable interiors, which means the walls are really thin. Uh, so I printed a uh, experimental warehouse and then just painted it really quick with some sort of, the nice part about 15 millimeter terrain is you sort of get the right style and that's as far as you need to go. Uh, so that had, you know, red terracotta bricks that were airbrushed on there. And then largely from there, some dry brushing and some enamels. Um, and those, those I thought ended up coming out looking really good. Also uh, that's largely probably the paint scheme I'll be working on for seven days to the river Rhine is sort of a, a red brick motif. Uh, I also bought an embarrassing number of STLs for future printing projects uh, because my mini factory had a amazing Black Friday sale. Uh, and so anything where I was like, yeah, someday I will play that, I probably have a terrain set for it now, which is which is nice. And of course, my, you know, uh,
0: wonderful influence definitely has nothing to do with that, where I just come up with ideas that you like.
1: Yeah, yeah, you come up with a cool idea, and I'm like, well, we're obviously going to need a board of terrain for that. And so well, then obviously. I end up buying a board of terrain.
0: Yeah. Now, I actually, I was less productive than I was in the last podcast because I've been a bit more or a bit less focused on historicals recently. Like I did on stream, for example, I did a lot of uh, U.S. Army stuff for my bolt action, late war, Western Europe Americans, because that just feels like everyone needs one of those. Then I also added a few pieces onto my Marines for the Pacific Theater. I didn't really do a much else historical past that. I played a bunch of games of bolt action, which was fun. Um, but then I also picked up the starter set for uh, cruel seas. And I got those painted up last night is when I finished the last uh, of the uh, S boats. And now I look at it and I go, these were really fun to paint. And now I'm looking at like the flower ca- class Corvette and going, that'd be really cool to play. Or like, you know, discovering like, Oh, Look at this cool action where, like, a bunch of torpedo boats just shot the crap out of each other in the middle of an English Channel. That sounds
1: like fun. Oh, boy. Oh, dear. This invariably means, of course, that I will get into Cruel Seas, which I have been admittedly eyeing, and basically every time I, uh, binge play World of Warships for a bit, I'm like, I could play naval games. I do have a- I have a battle mat for them, um, even though I do not play naval games, um... But yeah, you, you seem to really like those, and those models look great for that scale.
0: Oh, no, they're, like, amazing little things, and they're at a fairly common naval scale of the bigger ships are at 1350, which
1: you can find kits for. I was astonished that there were, like, little rails, and, like, the the detail on those are, are actually really sort of incredible. Yeah, it's
0: fantastic, and, like, I can say that the torpedo boats, uh, the plastic ones that I did, which were... Uh, the S-Boats and the Vospers painted up like a dream, paint built like a dream. They were just like I did them essentially in like one sitting and I couldn't put them down. They were fantastic.
1: Awesome. That is one of the things I like about sort of smaller model count games is you can just sit down and be like, I'm gonna do a thing and then paint paint your stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, And then also like for games we're looking at um, we looked a little bit at Valor and Fortitude uh, recently because they showed off, hey, we're going to add Franco-Prussian war rules, because we'd been trying to figure out what game we want to do for that. Because we looked at Eagles of Empire, uh, we looked at Sharp Practice, we looked at uh, Rebels and Patriots, but now that we see, like, hey, Valor and Fortitude's happening, and what was it, like, Brigade Scale, Battalion Scale, something like that?
1: Yeah, it's it's sort of a small, large game, is is what I'd say. Um, and each uh, battalion is not supposed to have a huge number of models behind it. And conveniently, it is written by the Perry brothers, who are probably where we both source uh, the vast majority of our models for said game. So yeah, that was, that was a fun surprise. I subscribed to War Games Illustrated and that just came along in one of the things, and as I was reading the interview, everybody was like, yeah, we're sort of tinkering with some Franco-Prussian War stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, so that's solved. Um, yeah. So looking at that, which is really exciting, I also have, because you have, the, the club has recently gotten some momentum behind uh, Bolt Action, which is not the World War II game I want us to be playing, but is a World War II game. And I have Empress Miniatures, uh, had a, a British Airborne Kickstarter recently, uh, that essentially one of the one of the bid amounts was uh, this is a one click uh, chain of command army, and I clicked, and those have arrived. So I have little baggies full of uh, little metal first airborne guys, and I need to, um, if nothing else, get them out of little baggies and onto bases and figure out what they are, uh, because like all proper uh, historicals <laughs> providers, uh, there's some very obscure. Semi-labeling, and that's about as far as we go. So I need to look at a bunch of these guys and be like, okay, you have what appears to be a submachine gun. Um, So yeah, but I I have that army, and I'd I'd like to get that off my desk and into a form where it's at least sort of primed and playable. Um, So yeah, that's that's the two things I'm primarily looking for. And then, as mentioned, I did get some Danes for uh, Seven Days to the River Rhine. So I've got a little Danish sort of armored cavalry force that's supposed to be the Jutland Dragoons. And I'm going to try to paint those. Again, looking forward to that because that's a fairly small scale and it's camouflage. Um, So I'm pretty sure a robust airbrushing session will get me 80% of the way there. Oh, absolutely. Also,
0: similarly, I've been become a little bit enamored with interwar slash pulp stuff. So that's another thing that may eventually show up soon. For fun, But we'll get to that when we get into the actual thing of the retrospective of 2023. It was an okay year, but... The third
1: episode of 2020.
0: Yeah, third season. They're still starting to run out of ideas, I swear to God. We're going to start with, what did we do this year in terms of our
1: hobby stuff? Uh So Eric, you want to start off? Sure, I'll start us off, and this will be fairly brief because this has been... Sort of a grim year for hobby, especially on the painting side, um, generally. Uh, Got a lot of things done in terms of gaming. Uh, The uh, Friday night sort of game club um, I go to has been really good for my mental health. Um, And so got a lot of gaming done this year, but not a huge amount of painting because I've been gone a lot. Uh, the two major sort of cornerstones of that, and this is normally a historicals podcast, but for the year-end retrospective, I'm going to widen things a bit. Um, I did get a bunch of stuff done for Adeptus Titanicus, um, which is, in my mind, God's most perfect game, and certainly the best game Games Workshop makes. Um, I uh, signed up somewhat ambitiously for a 2,000-point and then a 3,000-point game for Adeptus Titanicus at Nova and uh, I needed to paint things for that. So I finished a Warlord Titan that had been sort of been working on, on and off since the, the year of our Lord, 2020. So that took three years, uh, but, I, but I hammered it out. And then that gave me a 2,000 point army, but uh, 2,000 points and 3,000 points are not the same. Fortunately, Games Workshop makes a Warmaster Titan that uh, costs about 1,000 points. So I painted up one of those in my Loyalist scheme for Legio Astorum, finished that up. Uh, I'm really quite pleased with how that looks. There's a couple things I, I left out. I couldn't find my little Tamiya weathering makeup case. Uh, and so like the, the engine baffles don't have uh, soot on them yet and stuff, but it's pretty, it's 99% done. And so I'm, I'm pretty pleased with that. I have thoughts on how that plays in the game. If you're interested in that, that's going to be the theme of uh, the next episode of Lost to the Nails, my podcast with Brian Harvey on Games Workshop related stuff. Uh, We're gonna talk about War Master Titans and how uh, we think they play. And then I think the the real thing is I started a number of other projects, including but not limited to this podcast. Uh, But really this has been the start of trying to really push historicals, both in the club as something I play so, you know, we've got Pikeman's Lament, which we've mentioned a ton on this podcast, uh, you know, sourced, assembled those, painted all the horses, then got really busy and didn't paint anything that's not a horse. But there's been some progress there. Uh, similarly, Silver Bayonets is is sort of started and, and on its way um, and on my desk as well for like trying to guilt myself into it is the Push of Pike starter set from Warlord or at least my half of it. And then I've mentioned the the seven days to the River Rhine stuff. So a lot of sort of starts for things where I I wanna get going. Um, A lot of these again are are fairly small skirmish games. So if I can dedicate a little bit of time to them, I can push them forward pretty fast. And then also I just bought a bunch of rule sets this year. Uh, I've been enjoying sort of taking in what different people think are important for the same setting how you do you know, command and control, how you do morale. So just sort of think about that a little bit more. Think about what I'm looking for in a historicals game. Try to have enough variety that the answer is not just we're playing the same game, but at different scales, all regardless of sort of who wrote it. Uh, just been acquiring a lot of rule sets, including a lot of zany rule sets. So like Dracula's America, because why not? Who doesn't want Wild West vampires? I actually think I have one model from that uh, game line, like, like a
0: little devil lawyer. That seems entirely likely. I mean, it's one of my things is often when I say like, hey, you know, they want to trade something to me. It's like, what do you want? I don't know. Give me something interesting. Yeah. What do you have that's neat? That's interesting. I'll take it.
1: Yeah. And then similarly, sort of along those same lines, I was with my wife at a antique store in a town nearby where I live, not intending to buy anything. And then there was like a little dish she found with a bunch of metal miniatures in it that are old as hell. One of them's a touch racist, um, but the other ones are sort of cool sci-fi miniatures. So I bought that set and I sort of want to make a retro minis painted in modern fashions like Stargrave Crew or something with those. Just for fun. Found these randos in an antique store and now they're playable with something. Uh, so that might be something I, I try to hit next year. I mean, twist my rubber arm a little bit and I'll make a Stargrave Crew. Yeah, like like Stargrave is a game I should absolutely be playing and I'm not.
0: Now, I had kind of a similar thing where I started a lot, a lot of projects this year. For example, this is the first year I really got really stuck into historical games. Uh, last year, I dabbled in a little bit near the end where I started doing my, like, western desert stuff. But this year, I really dug in hard. Like, this is the year that I started my big Napoleonic projects where there's three 28mm Napoleonic armies in my house why did I make this choice? I don't know. Don't make my mistakes, but I'm still painting them and having fun. I really got stuck in hard on my North Africa stuff. Like, I finished uh, a fairly large Africa Corps Army and a fairly large 8th Army. Uh, Desert Rats being their thing. And then I also started looking more at Western Europe, because it's like, hey, if I'm going to teach this game, I want to be able to like go, hey, here is the classic matchup of 1944 Americans versus 1944 Germans somewhere in France. That's like the biggest cultural touchstone there that I can grab.
1: Yeah, the, the really easy historical shortcuts for especially World War II is like, so have you seen any American war movie ever? Cool. You want to play that? So having having a Western Europe force, I mean, I selfishly say having bought a bunch of British paratroopers, is is very useful uh, for the, the folks in the club who are interested in historicals. Yeah,
0: And then I also, I've been doing Pike and Shot at several different scales and in several different eras. Because I've got The Landsnecks both for Pikeman's Lament and Pike and Shot. I've got uh, My Holy Roman Empire for the Thirty Years War for Pikeman's Lament, Pike and Shot, and Epic Pike and Shot. And also another thing that I did this year is I started looking at different scales more seriously. Because, like, I kind of dabbled in a little bit of 15mm scale with, like, some Flames of War minis. Then I tried playing Flames of War and didn't like it. So I kind of abandoned that. But now I'm looking back at it and going, maybe I can do stuff like this. Or, like, you know, I gave the weird idea of, like, when we were still looking for ideas to do for our prank oppression War. Of just, like, what if we did it in, like, 6mm? Or something like that. And just completely go insane. The 7 Days stuff, also, specifically talking about smaller scales... Getting into this like idea of the Cold War gone hot really appeals to me because I enjoy, specifically for me, I'm a Treadhead if you haven't figured out by anything you've heard. Uh, I like tanks and specifically, I like weird tanks or tanks that have stuck around for no good reason. And so that's why I had to make sure my Seven Days Force had uh, T-55s, God's most perfect tank. That's still going to be there probably when we're fighting on Mars. It's going to be fought with, you know, AK-47s, Toyota Hilux, and a T-55 when we're on Mars.
1: Yeah. So for those of you who are not privileged to uh, be someone who Calvin messages on Discord, Calvin's a menace because invariably about once a week he will uh, send me a message that's like, Hey, I've had an idea. Um, And those ideas are invariably super cool. And Calvin paints faster than me. So he'll be like, hey, you want to do this thing? And I'm like, yes. But looking at my queue, this is going to be like a 2027 project.
0: Are you talking about the actions that are on my desk right now?
1: I mean, all kinds of stuff. Or like we have been talking about like a multi-scale Cold War goes hot. So uh, adapting the rules for something like in-country to do like what if what kicks off Sweden's entry to the war is like Soviet commandos fucking around and finding out across the Swedish border. So, like, there's... We've got, like, linked campaigns, uh, the potential to do stuff. I both bought, like, things that could sweat, credibly be sort of Swedish special forces, and then also things that could be credibly just Swedish dudes uh, for something like uh, 0200 Hours, but Cold War. Um, I bought everything for 0200 Hours also, by the way, because it's a cool game, and they also had, I think, a good Black Friday sale. Oh, yeah. Um, So, yeah, there's a lot of... Of side projects that Calvin is like, hey, I have this thought. And then I end up getting sucked into it because they're always good thoughts. Like, yeah, I don't think you've ever come to me with something. And I've been like, yeah, I have no interest in that. Well, I mean, a little bit when I
0: mentioned like, hey, do you want to do 10 mil stuff? And you just mentioned like drop zone. And it's like, fair.
1: Yeah, I think that's part of it is like if we're opening the 10 mil doors, there are many things I'm interested in. And one of them is drop zone commander because that game should be the game I play. Um, It speaks to everything about me because I am... While I'm not a Treadhead, the moment you say Air cavalry, I'm like, I'm there. I'm here for it. And so uh, that game should deeply appeal to me. But yeah, I think one of the things that has been fun is thinking about um, games at different scales. And then also games that don't necessarily care what scale you're at. Um, So there's been a lot of fun where it's like, yeah, we could do that with like much bigger armies if we want to make them tiny. Well, I mean, another example on that is...
0: We were looking at some Dark Dark Ages stuff, well, early medieval stuff. I have like Raven Feast, which is a nice free set of rules. And we looked at those and then they also have in there Raven Feast big battle where it's like, hey, do you want to play a big battle? That's like doesn't take 48 pages of rules and tons of dice rolling
1: forever. Yeah, it's like shit. Yeah, probably. And then a lot of these things work well together. So, you know, if you have a chain of command army, you probably have at least the makings of a bolt action army. If you've got something for Raven Feast, there's good odds that you can cobble a Saga army out of it. So there's a lot of things like that that it's been fun to, to be able to sort of branch out and be like, oh, but if we did this, we could do this other cool thing.
0: Yeah, and then also I did a lot of starting of projects, like to kind of veer away from historicals really quickly, I started work on some Star Wars Xenos uh, Rampant stuff. Because while I love Star Wars and one of the other mutual friends also loves Star Wars and loves the minis for Legion, none of us really like the rules for Legion. Just not very much. And Shatterpoint, don't get me started. Uh, That game is made for someone not me. But Xenos Rampant going like, hey, you want to throw models on a table and give them rules? It's like, absolutely. Let's go. Yeah. And so I've been working on
1: those. Also, your incredibly sadistic idea, which is to reskin what a cowboy uh, for Star Wars is definitely something that I'm going to get sucked into because it takes two of my favorite genres, Westerns and Star Wars, which is secretly just a Western, and mashes them together. So, like, again, do I have a bunch of STLs for uh, Tatooine buildings? Yes. Why? So that we can have shootouts between Imperial Remnants and Mandalorians. Well, I mean,
0: specifically we need to print Mando. Well, yeah. But then like the other big thing that I really got started getting into is figuring out games that I want to play and games that I can kind of not worry about playing. Like I haven't played Sigmar or Age of Sigmar in a long ass time.
1: Yeah. Uh, Um, Similarly, I uh, largely have taken a pass on the 10th edition of 40K, which is a little bit weird. Because I'm running the narrative campaign for our club's 40k group. And not uh, to say that
0: we haven't tried it. Like, yeah. we have both played 10th edition 40k. I played 3rd edition Age of Sigmar a little bit. But it's like, uh, these games don't feel like they're for me.
1: Yeah, it's not where my passion lies at the moment. There's sort of two reasons for that for me. Um, one is, just gameplay-wise, I played, I think, four games of 10th edition um i didn't want to play with my sisters because uh they're unpainted and that's been bothering me uh, so i play- pay- played with my eldar and if anyone has been paying attention to how 40k has been going um eldar are real good and so it kind of wasn't very tactically satisfying like i played all of those games poorly and still ran like fucking wild the, the first two, I, I didn't even compose an army that was coherent. I referred to them as grab bag armies. It was just like, what tanks are nearest to me in the case? And like one handily with both of them. And I was like, okay, we're gonna give this a bit. It's probably better now. And I sh- will probably reapproach 40K at some point. But also just our, uh, there's a store in our local area that's been doing a really good job trying to build the community via sort of small tournaments that take place. It feels like every other week. I think it's I just really, once a month. Yeah. I think the answer is I'm gone every other week. So when I'm here, there's always a tournament going. But tournament play isn't really of interest to me. And also you have to get up at like nine o'clock on the morning in a Saturday. And that's that's not that's not going to happen. So I haven't been doing those, but the, the club largely has, which means a lot of people are focused on, you know, testing their list for the next events and things like that. And that's not really my jam. So I've been sort of moving away from that. So that's, I think, one of the one of the interesting things has been, yeah, thinking about those games where you're like, no, I'm good. I don't need to, to chase this as much as I have. Um, or is there something I want a back burner where it's like, yeah, that's a cool idea. But like, do I really need to play, play it like right now? And so we've definitely got some things in sort of that category.
0: I do need to suck you in, though, to play a game of
1: uh, Middle Earth. That's how I got started in miniatures gaming was Middle Earth. Um, I would be extremely down. That's a good game. Yeah, it's a really solid game.
0: Also, slight aside, you know what that game would also do really well? Any sort of combat from, like, Roman legions to, like, the rise of the fully armored knight. Yeah, I could see that. Because, like, what are the units in the
1: game? Mostly, like, guys with swords and spears. Armored dudes. Dudes that aren't armored. Dudes that aren't armored with bows and arrows dudes on horses horses. that don't have a ton
0: of armor except for the cataphracts which like there were cataphracts
1: yeah so no i I think that would actually be good and it's a it's a a fun game yeah it has always been a game that i sort of regretted not having a community to play with uh because my brother and i played a lot of it when we were kids um that's how he got into miniatures gaming i was sort of 40k curious and then um but primarily played hex and counter games. And then um our grandparents bought him the Fellowship of the Ring starter set and that was the beginning of a very expensive journey. Um whoops. Whoops. So like the first the first miniature I fully painted was we went to the Games Workshop store and they taught you how to paint in urukai, and it was great. Uh, and so, yeah, like it's it's a it's a game that's near and dear to my heart.
0: I'll DM you afterwards because we, I want to know what armies you have lying
1: around. <laughs> I mean, I don't have any at this point, sadly. Um, cool. But uh, so you can borrow one of mine. <laughs> yes, yes. My my impression is you have armies, comma plural. Yeah, I've got like Mordor and then like
0: two or three different good armies. So like, take your pick. I'll throw you someone. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we can we can we can figure that out. Yeah,
0: and then we also did stuff together.
1: Yeah, so uh, a sort of a combined project for us has been, uh, as as folks can probably gather, we're part of the same wargaming club. Uh, we built wargaming in Moscow, Idaho, and um, we have been really pushing. Uh, that club has a very uh, "if you build it, they will come" vibe, uh, where the answer to if you want to see something happen, you need to just sort of start doing it and then hopefully drag people along. Uh, this works maybe 50% of the time. And we've been working on uh, historicals, uh, obviously, for sort of our club. The first one of those, uh, Calvin, do you want to talk about it a bit? Because you're the one who's painting it. Well, I mean, I'm working right
0: now on the uh, Pikeman's Lament Loner Army, which is a bunch of Spaniards who have already been bloodied in combat.
1: Yeah, my my Swedes fought them a couple weeks ago, uh, managed a narrow victory, but uh, there's an awful lot of pikemen in that army. Uh, So we created a sort of a loner army for pikemen's lament, because if you've got the battalion starter set, you've got some extra pikemen. And this was designed to be a fairly straightforward to play army. It's got one unit of cavalry, two units of pikemen, a veteran forlorn hope because I hate myself, and a veteran musket unit. And what's been really nice about that and was sort of really fun is I just sort of opened up my 30 Years War bit box and went at that army. So like every unit in that army has a sort of flamboyant looking uh, model that can either be used for Pythons Lament if you get like a Sergeant or a um, Rabble Rouser, one of those sort of one point bonus models. Or if you wanted to switch who your officer was, like, hey, it seems actually really stupid uh, Gustavus' office to put your uh, leader in with your heavy cavalry and then have them charge. I want to do this in one of my pike blocks, or I want to emulate Calvin's army and put them in with a veteran um, Forlorn Hope unit that's going to just ruin my life. These are all things that there's a unit in there that could credibly be your officer. And then also a number of the units are themed slightly differently. So there's enough like sort of armored cavalry people that you could do an elite cavalry unit if you wanted to do that. Uh, One of the pike blocks I gave as much of the armored figures as I could. And they all have the sort of Spanish conquistador style helmets. So if you wanted to say that's an elite pike unit, it's really easy to be like the armored boys, those are elite. And so I think it's actually a a sort of a marvelous, marvelously flexible army. uh, And one that was meant to be reasonably straightforward to play. We tested it out. It got its its sort of maiden voyage. Um, playing my Swedes versus uh, a fellow in our club named Kai was piloting the um, Spaniards. Uh, did really well. Had a like three round duel between my uh, Swedish commander, who is now Captain Skarsgard, and his his upstart Spaniard. Um, I managed to win that for once. So yay! I'm now one for three on winning duels in Python's Lament. But yeah, it's was. it it's been fun and it's nice to be like, hey, we have a loaner army for that. And we've been really emphasizing that, I think with all our historical games uh, is the ability to lend people armies and try to get them into it. Um, I started with that for Adeptus Titanicus in my club. And the answer has, it, it has been really successful for me just going like, hey, if you want to play this, I've got a trader army. You want to like try it out? Just show up. Just show up. And I will, I will bring terrain, I will teach you the game, I will have an army for you. That army will be nicely painted because really the best way to sell anybody on a game is to show up with a nicely painted army and be like, aren't these dudes cool? So similarly for um, Silver Bayonets, I have both a British and a French force, so I should be able to loan you one of them. I will have some Austrians because those are who I actually want to play, but I need to get my printer going um, again to, to print those out. So we've got a lot of loner armies similarly 7 days you know the reason i bought the danes was so i had an army that had the rules so that i could learn how an army designed by the designer of the game is intended to play before i go riff and you know change things completely um because i do have a please play the game before you start modifying it sort of ethos but the intention for that was also and then we'll have some danes so that if someone wants to play we've got A force for that. So there's been a lot of of moving towards that direction, having those loner armies. And then also uh, we have been working on improving the terrain for our historicals because terrain is cool and terrain makes games look good. And the club had a
0: decent selection of some stuff, like they had a bunch of trees. Uh, They actually had a really nice river. Uh, Just we had it. It's really nice, like made out of like some sort of like flexible rubber. And that was really nice to have. But it had like six buildings that weren't Gothic ruins.
1: Yeah, we had a couple clear, like somebody at some point was thinking about this. So we have like two bombed out Stalingradi buildings, three or four. Is this North Africa or is this Tatooine buildings? But we didn't really have a coherent set of things. So we've started with that uh, 3D printing, most of it. So the first thing I started with, because it is a it's a weird thing of mine, I, I tend to start with the roads, which is funny because very often uh, roads don't have rules in games, uh, but I think they're really good for making boards come to life. Um, sort of laying out, they're a good framework for things. So like you lay out the roads, and then you're like, well, here is obviously something, and this this you know crossroads should have something at it. Uh, so we have built and painted some sort of dirt cart track roads that will work for basically anything up to and including the second world war at 28 millimeter i am printing the 15 millimeter like the 10 to 15 millimeter version for all our tiny games i have just i just measured it recently and we have about 10 linear feet of 15 millimeter cart tracks that i now have to paint one of the cornerstones of our collection is the uh i built a french farmhouse that is definitely not La like saint why are you asking Um, which Calvin then painted. And um, the nice part about Western Europe is Western Europe has a rich architectural history. And so a French farmhouse works for like literally hundreds of years of uh, gaming. Yeah, there's like like a Holy Roman Empire
0: pikeman standing out the window. There's, you know, a French voltiger firing out of a window. There's an American paratrooper running into it like... It's the yeah. same building.
1: Yeah, we have we have used it for everything from Pikeman's Lament to O two hundred Hours, and it has looked like it was supposed to. We have a ruined version of it, so if you want the sort of bombed out, um, you know, World War II version, great, we've got that. We've got walls if you want the fortified, uh, sharp guitar rift here version of it. So we've got a lot of that. So that's really been sort of the cornerstone of our uh, project. Um, I have recently built a big bridge to go over our cool little river um because fighting on bridges is fun and, and then big bridge it's a it's a thick bridge it is the printable scenery bridge but like 50 percent larger on at least one axis because we had a terrain planning day and i was like how large do you want the bridge and i got a measurement and the answer was like a foot and i said okie doke so yeah it's a it's a big bridge like you can get i'm pretty sure you can drive a sherman over it because it was also meant for, like, Necromunda, where, again, we want to be able to have vehicle antics. And then I printed a church, Calvin. Look, the weather's been crappy. It's been hard to prime. Yeah, it's, the weather's been crappy for, like, four months.
0: Also, it's like I've been – I need to get, like, an actual better thing to hold. I need to figure out – what I need to figure out is the, like, logistics of taking that out to prime it.
1: Yeah, so I, I, I printed him this church, which in, is in, like, eight different components, and it's it's a big boy. Um, it's definitely a like, well, correction. You printed me two churches. Oh yeah. Cause I, I printed you the ruined version too. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so there's that, two is, of them. that is definitely a, this is the centerpiece of whatever board you're playing on. This is one of those type of terrain pieces where like, no one's going to put this off to the corner and be like, oh, this is just my cute little deployment zone train. No, you're going to fight over this church. So it's a, it's a big boy. You're putting a sniper in the bell tower and then blowing yeah. up that bell tower
0: with, like, a shot from a Sherman.
1: Yeah. Um, and so we have a ruined version of the church. There's a couple other buildings. Because uh, the dew printer, the, the bamboo P1S is real good. It's fast and it prints beautifully. Check out um, our 3D printing
0: episode for more.
1: Yeah, check out our 3D printing episode for more. But I had, at, at the time, I had not owned that one. Uh, so that was not on my recommended list. That is now at the top of my recommended list. It's real good. And so there's more stuff I wanna print. Just beef out our our terrain project because what I would like is for our club to have enough terrain that the historicals folks, in addition to the 40K folks, are playing on fully fleshed out, this looks good tables. It's important to me because I love terrain. So yeah, that's what we've been working on. Now that I'm done with the roads, um, my next plan is to print us some 15 millimeter rivers so that we can have, you know, Miserable pikemen fording some cold river somewhere in Germany. Or, you know, uh, Soviet BMPs rolling across that river. Exactly.
0: Uh, But also that kind of leads us nicely into what do we want to do next year? And we're trying a little bit experiment this year, uh, specifically that I recommended called the Ovalist, which I am stealing from the podcast uh, Hobby Support Group. If you haven't listened to them, they're fun. Go listen to them. They do really fun little supportive things for the hobby and kind of going through being middle-aged men playing with toys. And the idea of the oval list is it's a visual list that you make, normally in some sort of grid pattern. That's kind of what you plan to do for a year. You can be as specific or as vague as you want. Um, these can be as big or as small of projects as you want. It could be, you know, hey, I've got these 12 squares that are each like doing a separate step on a bus that I'm painting. Or it could be each of these 12 squares is an entire 28 millimeter army. In which case, Godspeed. I can't even keep up with that. Um, and the idea is you write it out and as the year goes on, you cross them off and go, yes, I did that thing. And then you see where you end up at the end of the year. Like it's not a pressure to finish everything, but it's like, yeah, you can try to do everything. It could be fun. So, Kind of as an example, I have my list ready for 2023. And for that, so the first two squares I have are my two brigades of British 1809 to 1815, somewhere in there, Napoleonic-era British. Um, I've got two brigades of those that I need to do for my dad. And I want to get them done so that they can stop living in my house, so I can only have two uh, 28 millimeter armies. Also, next, I have more British in the form of American War of Independence British, because with one of our mutual friends, we're going to start doing American War of Independence and I'd like to have painted models for it. Next to that is Zulus for the men who would be kings, because I really want to play that game and I want to play the Anglo Zulu War because I think it's really interesting to read about and look at. And the models look really sick. Like the Perry brothers are good at sculpting. Who could have fucking guessed? A big project that I have taking up three squares is I have this idea for a participation game of an airfield raid by the Long Range Desert Group and SAS. So for there, I have three squares, which are the defense force, mix of Germans and Italians, uh, the Long Range Desert Group specifically, so those trucks, and the terrain which is going to be a lot of terrain. And that's gonna be something that I'm gonna have Eric probably help me with.
1: Some, some portion of that, I'm either going to end up building or printing for you and I'm down.
0: Then I have uh, my 1812 Russian Brigade because I would like to play some frozen conscripts shooting at even more frozen, miserable conscripts. Some not historical ones on here include uh, Xenos Rampant, Star Wars. I wanna actually finish both halves of that project. And my Cities of Sigmar army, even though I just said something about not playing Sigmar very much. The Cities of Sigmar are, like, my
1: jam. Full stop. I mean, ask yourself. Look deep into your heart and ask yourself if a Cities of Sigmar army isn't a historical's army. Uh, not the new, the new reboot. Not as much. I mean, they're still pretty close. They're just, they got more skulls.
0: Yeah. And also, like, they have riflemen with big old tower shields.
1: Which is true. sick. Which is sick. No, the, 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 I am immensely glad I do not play Age of Sigmar because the Cities of Sigmar came very close to getting me. And those models are the dangerous, says the Sisters of Battle Player, the dangerous combination of you need a bunch of them and they're beautiful. Um, And so I, I did look at the model previews and I was like, I will not have finished painting this by like 2030. You actually have a chance. I mean, that's why I'm stopping at like,
0: I'm stopping at like a thousand points of them. Like I know I couldn't do 2000 points and keep up with everything else. Um, I have an interesting box here labeled just Fuel Japan. Now I don't know what scale it's gonna be at. I don't know what game I'm gonna do for it. All I know is I wanna paint some Samurai and some Ashigaru. Like that's what I wanna do. Cause I think they're cool.
1: And this can intersect very well with the fact that I have been working in a very slow fashion on a Horus Heresy Defense of the Inner Palace board that is, by sheer coincidence, a 28mm samurai castle.
0: Huh, who'd have thought? I also have on here Agincourt French, uh, because I need them, because I have the English already. I've got two boxes for the epic pike and shot uh, army, one for infantry, one for cavalry, and cavalry is including just everything on the cavalry sprue. So like the pike and shot infantry is just like cool, all the pike and all the shot. Then everything else is in the cavalry box. Uh, I want to finish my old guard for Epic Waterloo because they're the old guard and I think they're cool. I also have on here Winter Germans. Now this is either going to be so I'm not sure if I'm going to do late war so that I have a good opposing force for my Bastone uh, Americans. Or if I'm going to do early war, because Kai, someone at our club, has mentioned that they wanted to do Soviets in Stalingrad. And I'm like, well, okay, I guess. Then also I have on here Saladin's forces, because I have a bunch of third crusade guys. They need someone to fight against and lose, you know, because, yeah, tell me how that crusader kingdom is going. Then I have a box that is pulp. And like World War One, So like early 20th century conflicts. Somewhere between like 1935 and 1914. Like somewhere in that 20 years. I want to do some fun stuff there. And then my last two boxes are mystery boxes. Because something might show up and just go, you want to do that. And so I will do that. And I'm probably going to finish like uh, 12 of these 20 boxes. I don't plan on finishing them all probably. So Eric, what's on your list?
1: Yeah, so I sort of approached this like a, a hobby bingo notion. Uh, this year I, uh, again, lost the nails. My other podcast was doing the uh, hobby bingo board that Games Workshop put out. I proudly have filled in no squares. Uh, my co-host is now on bonus squares on a second board. So this year I, I am doing a nine grid, so, so three by three. Um, I sort of organize things in a couple different ways. All of them are sort of approximately a project. Uh, So the first one on there is I'm probably about 75% of the way done with a sort of cyberpunk city board for Stargrave, Five Parsecs from Home, Star Wars, um, a bunch of stuff like that. I've got this sort of it's not, it's, it's sort of a Neo-Tokyo vibe. It's, it's not clean, but it's not Blade Runner. But I've got a bunch of buildings for that still. I've got sort of a multi-story um, apartment building, a multi-story office block for Megacorp clients and things like that, and then a hospital um, along with some vendors and street loot and stuff, stuff like that. Um, a guy in our club, Russell, has been extremely unhelpful in giving me more ideas for that board. Uh, so things like maybe I paint a bunch of civilians and we acknowledge that in most sort of sci-fi games, uh, civilians are scatter terrain. And so I want to finish that up because I think it would be, so it's a cool board and I want it done. That I want to be like, this is anything larger than like, uh, anything smaller than like a four by four board. I've got enough terrain for. It. Uh, so let's let's just do that and get it done. The second entry I have is uh, my Pyquins Lament Swedes. So I decided to do, uh, one box for this instead of two. Also, the astute listener will note that when Calvin says Calvary, what he actually said was the Calvary sprue," and so what he actually means from that is cannons. Whereas <laughs> I, when I say I'm going to paint the Calvary, I mean I'm actually going to paint Calvary. So I want to uh, start and then finish that project, or at least start and finish the starter box. Um, get that as a game we're playing. Uh, Kai has been really enthusiastic about that, so I want to uh, capture that momentum a bit and get to play him. Having that then has the potential for linked campaigns because we've been doing sort of an emergent narrative thing with Pikeman's Lament where we're sort of skirmishing along the frontier of two armies that are approaching each other. And it would be cool to be like, yeah, so this raid, um, guess what? Now it's a part of this much larger game. Also, I'd like to do that. So that's that's the second square. Again deviating from uh historicals purely legions imperialis has come out so new horus Heresy epic uh that is extremely my jam so i have the starter set i have a notion for how to paint it i'm doing imperial fists because i haven't even read the rules yet and i know i'm doing imperial fists and i want to i want to do that and i want to get that done i think that army will look i will think that force will look great painted there's a lot of enthusiasm for it at the club so again i want to i want to sort of support that and help push that the fourth thing on my list is and i sort of alluded to this is finishing up my pikeman's lament swedes ah uh, so i have painted the horses and that's all um and i really like how the horses look but my my heroic dragoons deserve a paint job they are the mvp all-stars of my army uh, they have done everything from incredibly lethal volley fire foiling Calvin's plans to the most recent game against our our club's loner army. They had a very cool, like, hold this building until the very last minute and then, like, leap onto their horses from the second story and ride off. Um, they're just a fun unit and they deserve a paint job. My heavy cavalry deserve a paint job. Um, I'm not sure if my commanded shot deserve a paint job or not. But, again, that's the thing where I'd like to be done. And so, you know, have an army say, yes, I've got 24 points of Swedish guys for Pythons Lament. If I want to add another unit, great, but then I'm only adding a unit um, to it and, you know, be done with a project. Uh, So that's on there. I have also mentioned this previously, um, the Danish Jutland Dragoon Regiment for seven days to the River Rhine. I've got a little sort of reconnaissance force for them that is a platoon or I think, yeah, I think it's a platoon of uh, Leopard 1s that are supported by some M113s with toes, and some essentially Mercedes-Benz SUVs with toes um, that are sort of an armored reconnaissance force that will show up, shoot at Calvin's uh, T-55s and then run away. Uh, so I wanna get that force done because again, good loner army. Um, it's not very many models. They're small, they're camouflaged. Uh, so I think that'll go pretty fast. Uh, the next one on there is again, moving a little bit away from historicals I have mentioned my my deep and abiding love for Adeptus Titanicus. And um, I want some finished boards for that because this will also work for Legions Imperialis. I have a couple ideas that have sort of started and stopped in fits, and I wanna try to get those done. So the the one I'm gonna try first is I have a wrecked void ship board, which is terrain agnostic and is just bits of a ruined 40k ship um, that is, I think, Makes for a very good board for Adeptus Titanicus, and I'm sort of probably a third of the way done with that. And again, I want it done. So I just have a bin full of parts, and it's like, oh, this is the Adeptus Titanicus board. Cool, let's go. So now we're on to the last three. Again, as people are probably gathering, I love terrain, so I want to finish our 15mm club terrain for pre- and during World War II historicals. So farms, towns, roads, rivers, a proper road uh, for more sort of World War II stuff, but basically anything that's not the Cold War. Um, I want to get close to done. Not the Cold War and not like the Hundred Years War. Um, because there, like, the Hundred Years War, the Dark Ages, etc. has sort of a different terrain vibe to it, which I will get to eventually, but the question is, will we get to it in 15 millimeter? Um, but we have this good span of 15 millimeter, hundred years war, a uh, 30 years war, sorry, Napoleonics, world war two, um, that I want to support that. And so I want to get that, that done this year as a goal. Um, the next one I have with an exclamation point is silver bayonet. Silver bayonet is an amazing game. I've played it, I think three times now. And it's just, a load of fun. It's got a light sort of campaign vibe to it. A lot of really cool stuff. It plays fast. It's cool. It lends itself to really neat moments. I have an idea for Silver Bayonet where I'm going to make all the monsters and all the terrain black and white. And then the war bands will be in color. And I think that will end up looking really cool and have this sort of surreal, is this really happening vibe to it. There's some side projects I want to try for Silver Bayonet. I have had notions, uh, but I want to get the actual forces I have done first. And then the last one, following Calvin's example, is I'm leaving myself a free space. Um, Acknowledging my own hobby ADD and then also Calvin's. Like, as he went through his list, there was like three or four things on his list where I was like, yeah, I have that. So, like... I have an epic Napoleonic, um, the starter set for um, the Prussian forces under Blucher. I would would definitely play the Crusades. Um, I keep threatening to paint some Byzantines for that. Would I paint Vikings? Yes. Would I paint Hundred Years' War, French or Brits? Yes. There was at some point some talk of sort of, okay, if you're doing American War for Independence, what army should Eric play? And I was like, German mercenaries? That sounds fun. Um, so there's there's a bunch of different another versions. Another generation there. of German mercenaries. Yeah, just another generation of German. What if I paint German mercenaries through history? So there's there's a lot of different projects where I acknowledge and I'm sort of giving myself the freedom to just say, you know what, I'm going to do this other thing instead. And so that's, that's my, my list for the year. And that's an ambitious list. I'm not going to get it all done. One of the things I am genuinely trying to this year is to push the whole work-life balance notion a little bit more and then try to do you know some classic sort of one hour a night style hobbying and being home on weekends being home on weekends would be nice and um i have noticed my wife brought this up that she's like yeah you do realize every time you leave on sunday morning what's actually happened is your job has stolen a weekend from you and now that she said that i can't unsee it and so i'm gonna try to have more weekends um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this next year. And I think there's a lot of cool stuff that, that we can do. Yeah,
0: And speaking also of next year, we have some plans for us to kind of do ourselves. We've kind of been alluding to throughout them, like the idea of doing a game in the box idea where it's like, cool, here's everything you need for this, where it's like, cool, here's both armies, here's the terrain, here's all of this. And then also projects that are for us. Like, we might not be trying to get other people into this specific thing. Like, I don't think we're going to be evangelizing for, like, Ravenfeast at the club or any of, the, like, Dark Age stuff. But I think I think we'll just be playing that for us. Yeah. Like, we want to bash some, like, Iron Age guys into each other for giggles. And then another thing I've started doing more last year and I want to keep doing next year is the idea of building both sides of a conflict. So you can go... Hey, I want to do this. Here's your army, kind of idea, because I'm not gonna be able to walk into somewhere and I'm like, hey, I can't, I can't just get a pickup game of like Men Who Would Be Kings. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't just walk. It's like, hey, I've got my British. Anyone have like Zulu or like Boers or anyone?
1: Yeah, there's no, there's no thriving. Never mind the Bill Hooks meta. So yeah, there is, there is. I think a thing that both of us have really adopted, which is that if you want to play obscure games, uh, which is cool, and also if you're listening to this podcast um, and you don't want to do that, my question is why? But there is this acknowledgement that, yeah, you're going to need to be able to provide both sides. Um, so, you know, for 0200 hours, you're going to need to have both Germans and the good guys. Uh, for Legions Imperialis, which I mentioned, I have uh, a friend of mine, Colin Ward, who's an amazing painter, uh, painting another starter box. Uh, so that i can just be like hey how do you feel about playing this cool you want to play death guard great i've got a painted death guard army Mm
0: -hmm. because i think
1: that's really important it's also i think really helpful for like side projects where you're like hey i've had a thought that doesn't necessarily commit me or calvin to like okay now i have to go spend 75 dollars sourcing models for this it's just like no i've no i've had a thought so I think we've both got a couple of those. Um, so for example, if anyone ever wants to play Drop Zone Commander, yes, I have multiple armies currently sitting in boxes for that. But yeah, having that um, sort of thing, I also acknowledge at some point I did back the Battletech Mercenaries Kickstarter. And so at some point a bunch of little six millimeter mechs are gonna show up in my life. So yeah, there's there's a couple things like that. But yeah, I think a lot more sort of we're pushing for us the Combination of sort of game in a box things where we have everything we need, and then also, yeah, as mentioned, some of this stuff like World War II is easy. Um, I was astonished that Kai showed up and was like, I've got a bunch of push and pike stuff. Does anyone want to play that? And Calvin and I were both like, Hell yeah! But like the Franco Prussian War stuff, we're not gonna get the club into the Franco Prussian War, that's not gonna happen. So, that's a that's an us thing if we do that. So, yeah, I think I think some like, okay, we've done our bit for historicals. Uh, bolt Action has some momentum. The 30 Years War has some momentum. Now let's go do some weird shit. Silver Bayonet has momentum. I, I bought a friend of mine a Silver Bayonet force for, for uh, a wedding present for him. Uh, somewhat annoyed his wife. Uh, so yeah, uh, some, some projects for us, I think, will be uh, a lot of fun.
0: And then to kind of wrap up everything, I think this was a good year for us, like, doing hobby stuff in general. Even if, you know, like you said, it was kind of grim on the painting side. I think hobby overall... Gaming, painting, building, evangelizing. We did good, I think.
1: Yeah, I'm genuinely pretty proud of how active the historical scene is at our club. Um, There was one night recently where there was one table of 40K, one table of bolt action, and like a table of 30 Years War stuff, and then something else. And I was like, hell yeah. So I've been, I've been really excited and really proud of, of what we've done there. So that's been nice. Um, I have been enjoying doing this podcast, which is something we started this year. Um, so yeah, I think it was a decent year for hobby um, on the sort of holistic view of it. Uh, painting was grim, but that's okay. Uh, and I think importantly, we've got people thinking about this as something the club does. That like, yeah, when we talk about what terrain does the club want, the answer is not just more Gothic ruins. Um, it's like, hey, can we have a farmhouse for this? It would be really cool if we had this other thing. So I'm I'm excited uh, for, for what we've done. So Calvin, what was your favorite thing this year?
0: Oh, that's a actually a really hard one. Uh, Cause I've been pretty proud of most of the stuff I've done. But honestly, I think probably one of the things I'm the most proud of is the progress I've made on my French Napoleonics. Cause they look Absolutely incredible. They look good. Specifically, I'm the most proud of my command bases that I've been doing for my armies. They've been turning out well above what I expected them to be. And well, like right now I can turn around and see my Wallenstein. You know, I can hear his music over on my shelf. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's awesome. What about you? Uh, So my favorite thing is I'm going to say I'm going to narrow it down to a single day which is the day we did um, Silver Bayonet demos. I came with both my British and French. The friend of mine who I mentioned, uh, Rob, who had bought his, um, who bought, quote, I got him his stuff uh, for his his wedding. You and I went in on a uh, box of, of Perry Russians and then I 3D printed him a werebear because of course the Russians in Silver Bayonet get a werebear. And we just had some really cool games. Rob and I played a game that was sort of fun and cagey. I shot a guy, he turned into a werebear, he charged at me. Uh, We sort of did some back and forth with the the French trying to steal some stuff from the Russians, it was great. And then uh, a friend of mine, um, also in the club, a guy named Keaton, who is a very good player, who also is very good in sort of keeping to the spirit of narrative, even if he is a, a very good competitive player uh was like hey what's this can i play and i was like yeah of course and so we did a three person game uh where he was playing my french i was playing my british and rob was playing his russians there was just this insanely bloody game it was we were all investigating a farmhouse the russians and the french got into it werebears were tearing people apart while like French witches were cursing things. There was a priest. There was briefly someone spinning around singing Ra Ra Rasputin before uh, a member of the 95th Rifles uh, shot his priest. Um, the 95th Rifles did what they did, and like the rest of the British force didn't do much. Uh, but those, the, the two riflemen I had just sort of hid behind a wall, and just like there was just this cone of death where, like if you walked into this open space, you were going to get plugged by a British rifleman. And so it was just an amazing game. And it had both of them be like, no, I want to play this all the time. And so that was, I think really fun as just this like eye-opening experience of like what these are, um, Rob getting to use his new army and having it like work the way it's supposed to. And just genuinely like he had, he had gone and like I had not bought him a priest model and he had gone and like sourced an, uh sort of an Eastern Orthodox looking Russian Orthodox priest. Um, and, you know, in traditional historicals fashions, got a baggie from some guy in Poland with a single figure in it, like wrapped in tape. So uh, it was just a sort of like the, the this like perfect sort of alternate game historicals experience. Um, and so that was that was really fun um, to see. And I think had have some people be like, yeah, you know, Silver Bayonet. when we mentioned, you know, our, our club is doing some renovations so we're doing uh, some, we're building two new tables to replace some extremely janky tables that we had that like one of them was an Ikea bookshelf with like a tabletop nailed to it. Um, so we're, we're redoing those. And one of the tables, we're like, yeah, it would be nice if we had like a smaller table for, you know, Silver bayonet and things like that. So we didn't have to take up a full, like the standard tables in our clubhouse are eight by six. And it's really embarrassing to take up an eight by six table with a three by three game. Um, and so, you know, can we make a smaller table so the historical weirdos can be off in the corner doing their thing and not necessarily occupy um, the space we need and have a game that they can they can set up? So, yeah, that was my favorite thing. It's just this this sort of single night of, like, perfect wargaming hobby it was really fun.
0: Another thing I'll point out that was a really good time was our 0200 Hours game.
1: Yeah, that was too. Where we just, like,
0: we came up with this weird narrative throughout the entire thing and, like... You know, Private Jenkson's still messing around off in the French wilderness somewhere.
1: Yeah, we've, we've still got a, a British commando who's MIA. The uh, German police are looking for a French uh, guy named Guy. Um, it was just a, a very good, I think, narrative scenario. We, we decided my my officer's a coward um, because he is. And so, yeah, that, that game, I think, was fun with that sort of the, the emergent gameplay of especially how the guard behavior works in... 200 hours was really fun so so I've had a couple really good gaming experiences this year I mean like also on that list is this most recent game with with Kai testing out the club's uh, Pike Lynn's Lament army that was an incredibly oh that was a fun game that was a nail biter you know there's um well I'm sure the beers didn't you know hurt <laughs> yeah the beers didn't hurt yeah yeah we, we were both about two drinks in he was switching between a French accent and a Spanish accent as he insulted me. Um, you know, we had this duel, we had, we had it like, I have rescued the guy I'm trying to rescue, but his cavalry has charged my cavalry, if they can make it, it, like, I sort of need to, lo- I need to win this combat enough that they'll withdraw so that I can run away, and then, like, his pikemen are closing on my, uh, commanded shot, and dragoons, who are, like, rapidly now evacuating this building that they've been given the all-clear, it was just a great, sort of, really intense game that felt like, there was about four or five moments where it was like, yeah, you have this game now. And then it was like, oh, no, you don't on both sides. Uh, so it was really uh, a lot of fun. So so there's been there's been some really great games this year.
0: Yeah. So to kind of wrap up everything. So a few announcements. A, we're still going to have that live Q&A session. There should be a link to the questionnaire in the uh, description of this podcast. You'll also it'll be on my Twitch channel over at twitch.tv slash nevermorepainting. Date still to be determined because Eric is still traveling everywhere.
1: Yeah, it'll be sometime in the new
0: year. But also, you know, like, only slight boohoo because you spent the last week, what, in Geneva? Uh, Bologna.
1: Bologna. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. like, for me, I, I had to go to Bologna for a conference. For um, you. Yeah, really good food. Yeah, so I'm still traveling a bit, so we won't do it for a bit, but sometime in the new year. So if you do have questions... You can also uh, email them to us at uh, plasticpressgang at gmail.com.
0: Yeah. And also you can find us on Twitter in a few different places. And it's also a new way to find us because, uh, well, Zencaster originally and uh, some changes in staffing. We've opened up a Patreon.
1: Yep. Uh, So this show costs us money now, which is fine. Um, But to try to defray that, we have indeed started a Patreon. Uh, That can be found at patreon.com slash plasticpressgangpodcast. Uh, All one just chunk of words. Uh, We've got a couple tiers for that. We've got um, the Noble, which is a $5 tier where you get early access to the podcast itself via Patreon's RSS feed and then also access to our Discord. Then we have the Elector tier, which is, I believe, $10 a month and is the same thing, but you get... Uh, access to an exclusive channel and input per being an elector into things like show topics or ideas or questions or requests, etc. And then we have what is admittedly a joke tier, um, which is a $100 emperor tier, which is all those same things, plus Calvin will paint you a command model and I will not ask questions about your livelihood. So if you really want to um, completely support our uh, indulgent uh, historical's lifestyle. Do let us know. And so, yeah, along with that, um, there is a Discord for our uh, Patreons that is currently uh, just me, Calvin, and our editor, but uh, will hopefully and our be. Artist. Oh, and our artist, uh, but that will hopefully be uh, propagated by folks um, who are interested in that. Of course, this uh, podcast will remain freely available everywhere else. We're not going to lock it down or anything like that. But yeah, it, it costs us a little bit of money to run that. And it would be nice if it cost us a little bit less, a little bit of money. Uh, we appreciate all of you for listening, whether you are a Patreon or not. Because yeah, this is really, it's it's hard to podcast when you think you're just sort of talking into a void. Uh, so yeah, we, we do appreciate the feedback we've gotten. The fact that we we do even have listeners who are all willing to sit through our sort of self-indulgent historicals journey.
0: Yeah, and we even know it's international, which is fun for us. Hi, Czech listener. Hi, Sophie. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you want to find us outside of the podcast and the various podcast accounts like uh, Plastic
1: Press Pod over on the Bird site, uh, where can they find you, Eric? So I am still on the Hateful Bird site at, at Hammer. Um, I'm also on Blue Sky at at Variance Hammer. And as I have mentioned now twice in this podcast, I am also um, the host of Lost to the Nails, which is a uh, podcast with Brian Harvey, who used to be the guy behind Splintermind, where we uh, talk about 40K and related properties. Now that Epic is out, I'm pretty sure we're a dedicated eight millimeter Horus Heresy podcast. But yeah, we talk about stuff there. Uh, So if you want to hear more of me for some reason, uh, lost to the nails and
0: also of course the very or the uh variance hammer uh blog as well
1: yes i am writing for variance hammer again that also died a little bit due to travel uh so variancehammer.com has my sort of thoughts that don't feel like they belong in a podcast mostly because they're long form or have a lot of statistics and graphing involved and um regression models make for bad radio uh so yeah if you want to head over there uh, right now one of the very prominent things on there is indeed the stuff for Seven Days to the River Rhine. Yeah,
0: and you, if you want to find more of me for some reason, uh, I'm on the Hateful Bird site at Brushes and Jazz, even though I'm on there less than I have been. And you can find me on Twitch every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday, where I am normally painting toy soldiers uh, over at twitch.tv nevermorepainting Sometimes I'm clicking on heads when I decide I need to click on heads to de-stress. But yeah, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you in the new year.
1: Bye-bye, everybody.